Hello, everyone, and welcome to Operation History, where history is more than what you remember. On today's episode, we are doing our first ever collaboration. We here at Operation History have teamed up with our friend over at the History Book, and we both have come together to welcome you to today's episode, which is all about the lost colony of Roanoke. But before we get things rolling, let us introduce our first ever guest on the show. Jacob, how are you, Jacob? I'm doing great. How are all you doing? Good. Welcome. Welcome to the shenanigans. Yeah, thank you. Oh, uh, shenanigans. Shenanigans. I always enjoy good shenanigans. Oh, we've got a lot for you. So, yes, welcome, and we're very happy to have you. And as you have heard, I am joined by my other two co-hosts. First, we have our colonial armchair expert, Lauren. Hi, everyone. Next, we have our environmental historian armchair expert, David. I really don't like when you say armchair historian. I, I just, one day I'll be on the field. I do field stuff now, God damn it. Yes, you do. Okay. Well, First of all, I'm a desk <laughs> historian. Get it right. <laughs> okay, then I, Lauren, I will lovingly refer to you as a desk chair historian. And Dave, we'll just cut armchair out of your title altogether. And we'll say you are our environmental historian. Thank you. You're welcome. Armchair just makes me sound, sound so high, like highbrow. And if you've oh, heard me speak, David. highbrow society person. I like my beer ice cold and I like drinking it. Good man. Good I man. like to refer to myself as Swiss army knife historian. I do a Ooh. little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. I like a jack of oh, all okay. trades. Yeah, yeah. All right, very nice. And then you have myself. So my name is Maria. I am your other host, and I am completely out of my element here. So this is probably the most you'll hear from me this evening. So to start us off on our episode, Jacob is going to give you some of the background information. So I'm going to now turn the mic over to him. Take it away. All right. Well... So uh, I basically have this listed out in going from the very beginning of when the English and Spanish are first showing up outside of Roanoke and North Carolina, all the way till the colony goes poof. Um, and really, it starts off with Giovanni de Verrazano. Uh, sorry if any of these names are horribly pronounced. If I pronounce the North Carolina names, though, I give you legal obligation to shoot me. Oh, boy. <laughs> So he's exploring the Palamanco Sound in 1524, but mistakes it for the Pacific Ocean, which is uh, about as, you know, colonial exploration as you can get. He takes his findings to the King of France, uh, King Francis of France, and King Henry VIII, but both of them ignore it. By 1578, Elizabeth I grants a charter to Sir Humphrey Gilbert, to explore and colonize any territory not held by Christian kingdoms. Gilbert dies before he can go, so his charter gets divided up between his brother Adrian Gilbert and my personal favorite colonial figure, Sir Walter Raleigh, his half-brother. Uh, so just so a little bit of a tangent, because I hear it a lot, uh, it's pronounced Raleigh, not rally or anything like that. I, I, I had to put it out there. Uh, we're from the nor like northern states, so you'll hear that a lot. That's how yeah. we like. So, <laughs> yeah, just just so uh, y'all know, I did grow up in North Carolina, 
but uh, my family is all from Ohio and West Virginia. So I understand that the, the Northern people might not understand how to pronounce Raleigh, but just so we can get that out there. So his charter asserts that he can colonize, he must colonize by 1591 or he loses his charter. And it tasks him with, quote, discover, search, find out, and view such remote, heathen, and barbarous lands, countries, and territories to have, hold, occupy, and enjoy, end quote. Uh, mind you, these lands are obviously inhabited and very much occupied. Even though Raleigh owns his own charter, he's not allowed to leave the Queen's side and oversaw the voyage from London. Uh, someone with a little bit more of British history expertise can explain why exactly Queen Elizabeth loved him so much and then threw him in the tower. So he sends Arthur Barlow and Thomas Harriet to explore an area for settling. They spot an area near the Cape Fear River and make contact with local tribes, namely the Scotanon. Uh, I pronounce that horribly. Sorry. Uh, they control Roanoke Island and the Croatan tribes. Upon the return, Sir Raleigh makes his accounts public and most likely embellishes, which he's very much notorious for. So here's where we come to the first colonial attempt. And they set sail from Plymouth, England on April 9th, 1585 with seven ships. Uh, the voyage is really doomed from the beginning, considering a storm separates one ship from the fleet. Uh, but they end up meeting back up in Puerto Rico. So everybody's happy. On June 26th, the fleet sailed into Ocracoke Inlet, but one of the ships, the Tiger, runs aground and loses most of the food supplies and almost completely destroys the ship. Original plans seem to suggest that the fleet was meant to stay with the colonists through the winter, but the damage done to the fleet made that impossible, and about only 100 colonists were allowed to stay with Ralph Lane, the appointed governor of the new colony. Uh, the fleet left the colonists to return to England, and they end up sending back a resupply mission. But until the English would be, until then, the English would be very much dependent on native tribes. Uh, it, much like any other colonial history, once the English become dependent on the native tribes, it tends not to go well. And this is no exception. This heavy dependence on native populations really strains the relationship. This becomes an issue when Governor Lane sends a military expedition against the local tribes, specifically the Choanoka. This first expedition would eventually fail and would be evacuated by Sir Francis Drake in June of 1585. They would arrive back in New England around July of 1856 and introduce the English with some amazing things, uh, tobacco, maize, and my personal favorite, the potato. Despite this failure, Sir Walter Raleigh would not be deterred and would send another expedition. This one is the famous one that we're actually wanting to talk about. So Raleigh appoints John White as governor, as he had already been to this area and had been with the first expedition. And he brings his pregnant daughter, Eleanor Dare. This colonizing par party brought women and children and really no organized military force. The fleet of three ships leaves England on May 8th. Uh, most, this would pretty much suggest that they're planning to stay. They're not, they're not wanting to come back. It's a ship full of women and children. They want to go there. They want to 
you know, do what colonists do, colonize. Uh, they arrive on July 2nd at Croatan Island. All the colonists would depart the ships three days later, and pretty much immediately as soon as they land, George Hall is killed by natives while crabbing. It's starting off great. George White sends dispatches to reestablish relations with the, with the Croatan. Uh, this relationship would be pretty rocky for the entire time the colonists were there, especially after the colonists accidentally attack a group of Croatan looters and a preemptive attack against another tribe in the area. Uh, Manteo, a Croatan chief who had sailed back and forth with the English, was able to smooth over the relationship multiple times. And Forrest helped. He is Christianized by the colonist because that's a reward for him. On August 18th, 1586, Eleanor Dare, daughter of Governor White, gave birth to a healthy daughter named Virginia in honor of beating the first Christian born in Virginia. She wasn't born in Virginia. She was born in North Carolina, but I digress. Records also indicate that Marjorie Harvey gave birth soon after, but no other information exists on her child, so we just ignore it. When the fleet was ready to leave for England, the colonists had decided they would want to relocate about 50 miles up the uh, Albermale Sound. I pronounce that terribly, but we're just going to roll with it. And had persuaded the new grandfather and Governor White to return to England and explain their really horrible situation. They're running low on food, they're running low on supplies, and they have no protection from the native population other than themselves. And on August 27th, 1587, White and the fleet left for England to return with supplies. Now, the problem is, is once White gets back to England, uh, and much like most of colonial history, the English are fighting with the Spanish. And in particular, the Spanish Armada prevents White from resupplying ships to return to Roanoke Colony. When the Spanish were defeated in 1588, White is still barred from returning to the New World so that England could gather its own counter armada. And White didn't gain permission to return until almost three years later in 1590. So he does end up getting permission on August 12, 1590. He takes a ship and arrives in Roanoke. Uh, they sight plumes of smoke three different times across the area surrounding the colony, but each time they find nothing. On the night of August 17th, they found the third fire, but didn't really want to risk ashore, going ashore at night, so stayed off, anchored offshore and sang English songs in hopes that the colonists would hear them and rejoice. Uh, White and the others make landfall on August 18th, his granddaughter's third birthday and they spot flesh tracks in the sand, but were not contacted by anyone. At this point is when they see the famous letters C-R-O carved into a tree nearby. Once they reach the colony, they note the colonists had fortified with palisade and had carved the word Croatan carved into a fence near the entrance of the colony. White would remain convinced that the colonists had peacefully re relocated to Croatan Island for pretty much the entirety of his life. Uh, they had agreed that if the colonists had to leave, they would have left a secret token or a cross sign as a distress code. They found that the houses had been dismantled and large trunks dug up, mostly ones that belong, belonged to white and had uh, precious metals in them. No boats were left ashore. White would attempt to go back on shore to investigate further, but each attempt would be pretty much failed due to weather because that 
area of the country is very prone to some severe weather. Uh, so that's pretty much what happens here uh, as far as going from when they first figure out where this place is all the way up to poof, everybody's gone. Where did they go? So we have some missing people. <sighs> Those English people, you never know what's going to happen with them. All right. So um, just so. OK, so I will get us started on some of the most common theories. So each one of us are going to be talking about what happened. Um, I'll say, happened. what do we think? Well, no, we know. We know. We know. We know. So some of us have um, different I things. know. Because I'm right. Some of our opinions are, um, as we discussed in our pre-Zoom call on this, some of our opinions go a bit far out there, yet they are valid. They are valid. Uh, we love them. Wait until you share mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Um, so... I'm just going to get up some maps because and share my screen with you guys because there are a lot of theories based off of maps on what happened to these people or where did they go. So for people who are listening along and you want to look at some maps, um, not you guys, I'm going to share my screen. Um, I posted them on our website. So it will be part of the show notes um, that go along with each episode. So if you go to the episode list on our website, which you'll get at the end of this episode, or you can find it on our Twitter page, uh, you'll be able to see it. You'll find a link for it. It's pretty easy to find. And I'll also be using some names. So Google is my friend. Look at you oh. go. Thank you. I know. How did you all know I love maps? It's I love maps that you know have such high quality that you can like zoom in to like one spec and it's still perfect. Ugh. Sorry. Well, that guy John White was pretty famous for his maps, especially one that may or may not have included a giant sea monster in the middle of the Atlantic. That was real though. I don't know why you're acting. Oh like yeah. That that well, I didn't um, say it wasn't real. So what I'm going to be talking about, well, I'm going to first start with the maps, but my, um, I guess my theory of where they went, it's called the Beachland Conspiracy. So essentially what that means is they, some people believe that not only did the colonists go somewhere else, that was all part of the plan. So... Uh, John White's map of Virginia Pars. Here it is. So it's right here. So that's like the Chesapeake area. Um, and then so part of the conspiracy has a lot to do with patches. So let me like patches over the map. So I know it's zoomed in a lot, but you can see a rectangle here. And you can see, excuse me. Right here, there's a patch. Sorry, I'm pointing at my screen with my finger. Right here, there's a patch. Underneath that patch, they have put the map under uh, light and there's actually, it looks like almost like 
a star on the map in those two places with the two patches. So they believe that was almost like theory one and theory two. Like if we can't live on uh, Roanoke Island, we will go over to the mainland and go to one of these two spots. Some believe that was actually the point. They thought, you know, the island was a stepping stone. So that is where you're staying and then move onwards. So for my Rhode Island peeps, um, half of them are Rhode Island peeps in this chat right now. It's almost like stopping at Block Island and then sailing away on the, oh, I can't say that. I can't say sailing <laughs> away on the Block Island Ferry. So, um. You just did. You just, you just did. did. So I'll say the Big so, inside joke there for anybody who doesn't understand, like, poor Jacob. Away on the Block, the Block Island, Island Ferry. Sorry. Uh, I claim a Rhode Island as my adoptive home now. Perfect. That's um, fair. Go to the Block Island on the Block Island Ferry. Anyway, so say it's Block Island, you stop there it's an island so you stop there to i guess get your land legs back get i guess situated and then you would pop over uh to like the lower part of the island or connecticut or something like that so they believe that it was just patched up later um some theories say that it was to hide where they were going for some reason some believe it was put the patches were put on there like after they went missing they were like well we don't know where they are so never mind um there's another map did this one yeah so it's called the zuniga map and they believe that it would also so there's runok also known as roanoke um and Jamestown's over here and so this was another map by uh Francis Nelson and that's also could have given some hints to where the pilgrims were go oh sorry not the pilgrims the English Freudian were slip not my fault that um I'm a bucklehead they're all Puritans to me except for the Roanoke people but that's fine um so that's that's a whole nother don't we're not getting started on that um so there was a plan allegedly to build a fort near Choanoak, which was 50 miles inland which is where that little patch that we saw on the map is was so they think some people believe that they were moving inland um and maybe they split up to those two separate places because the land could not support this big group um, based off of other native people in the area. Um, one person, his name is Eric Klinghoffer, says no single Indian tribe or village could have supported them, them being the Roanoke colonists. So it's a theory that they split up and went somewhere else, which Jacob might go into that a little bit. Um, so there's part, that's part of the like evidence for why they believe that the like Roanoke people just kind of dipped out and moved inland. Others believe that it was all part of um, Raleigh's um, like grand scheme 
Like he wanted them to move inland uh, close to the Alligator River to harvest sassafras. And then they believe that after a generation or two, then they assimilate into the native people. Um, another, I guess, evidence of this is that coffins were, with crosses were found in the 1960s in this area. Um, unsure like where or when they came from. Um, I couldn't really find anything on that, but yeah. So a lot of people think that either it was the, um, the company's idea, Raleigh's idea, the colonists idea to basically just up, skip and jump off of Roanoke Island and go basically into the woods. Um, either to those patches on the map to live alone or harvest sassafras or then move inland and assimilate. I don't know. I, I mean, this isn't the um, theory that I necessarily subscribe to, but there being marks on the map showing that, like, clearly they... They were thinking about those places in some form. Um, I think it's interesting. Um, I'll, I'll say this, uh, and I'm sure you'll figure this out by the time we've all gone through each of our theories, but each of these sort of play into each other a little bit. They do. They all kind of overlap a little bit. Besides, I'm assuming David's, because David seems to be <laughs> excited to be in left field. But Yeah, everybody but David. Yeah. yeah. Which is fine. Um, Poor Dave. Which I should have said this at the beginning. Um, I got a lot of this information through National Geographic and also the First Colony Foundation. So it's firstcolonyfoundation.org. They have a lot of the maps and history stuff. And I believe I also have that in the show notes for this episode. And that's all I have to say. Someone else convince me otherwise. I'm gonna go. Oh, go ahead. I'm not um, going down there to find these the people. So it's come fine. on, hop a time well, machine or a tartar box and let's go. I was gonna say uh, I don't think you. I don't think you could find them now. They're dead. But I doubt it. I mean, if they're <laughs> the radiation. If there's um, remains in the soil or whatever, or in swampy areas that could have been possibly preserved over time, so it's just getting archaeologists or historians in that area and digging those places up in order to find them. It's just they're there; their remains are somewhere. Just gotta find unless them. unless Jamestown really went crazy during the starving times. I mean, that's possible. Cannibalism <laughs> is always a thing. And said, you know what? We just want that sweet uh, Roanoke bone marrow. Well, I'll say this. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this for it. Uh, part of the big issue with Roanoke and uh, Fort Fisher down there as well, which is more of my speciality, mm. uh, is hurricanes tend to wipe out these islands. Um, and especially with climate change and stuff like that, there's a lot of uh, loss of the actual original Roanoke colony. So, yeah, there might be remains, but they're also probably at the bottom of the ocean. That's true. Let's go diving. I know how to swim. 
Hey, they found Blackbeard's ship. We could find some Roanoke people, too. Anything's possible. When you're part of a team. Everything is awesome. Thank you, Dave. I was like, somebody please pick that reference up. <laughs> Having fun isn't hard when you have a library card. Oh, my God. Ah. Anyway, someone else please talk about their theory. <laughs> uh, oh, it's got to be David. We got to go far out left now. Oh, yeah, I, I'm so curious. I was about to say, I didn't beat up a lot already. God. Okay. I want to I hear how, how out there we get. All right. So um, the source I'm going to use right now is the, and I'll put this in the, the show notes, whatever, um, is Water USGS, which is a United, which is the United States um, Geological Survey um, organization. And this one deals with water. I also have CDC, um, also backed up with some stuff from Net Geographic. So um, I don't think it was they ran away. I don't think that um, the Spanish came and killed them. I think it was disease. So we've mentioned already at this time that um, farming was not too good in this area. Uh, I'm guessing there's swamps. I'm guessing that the area is not conducing for agricultural development. Um, around the 17th century in the United States, and thank you for USGS for this, because I totally didn't know this. Um, draining of swamps and wetlands started to become popular around this time period in order for these cities to develop. Um, a wetland or a swamp is a um, area that's wet uh, for at least completely wet for one season of the year. They're vital to ecosystems. They're vital for plant development for that area. And so people would drain these swamps and they still try to today. Um, but thankfully with our new environmental studies um, and environmental knowledge, we know that that's not the best thing to do for our lives and for the ecosystems that we're supposed to be supporting. Um, back then they didn't know that. So when they would drain these swamps, we would also get disease and sickness, which is, I'm guessing, stuff they've never experienced at this point because they were colonists to a new area. And we've seen this with indigenous people and with uh, Europeans coming to the continent that if their immune systems aren't filled up for other diseases, then it's absolutely 100% deadly. So I think that it was a combination of malnutrition but there's already not enough farming going on. There's not enough food production. Coupled with the draining of swamps, which releases other things into the area, exposed them to exposed Europeans to things that they would never experience back at mainland Europe or on the island of Britain. Coupled with those two elements, their, the malnutrition would have crushed their immune system. They would have been tired because there's lack of energy their immune system would not have had the ability to fight off various infections. So that leads to the death of the people in Roanoke. And the reason for the carvings is because the Indian tribe nearby, there would have been a shaman or someone who is familiar with the way to combat this sort of disease or to help war off the evil spirits if, there, if they thought there was evil spirits. So that's why there's that carving there. Just as a warning, if you get this or, you know, you figure out what's going on, this is the people to see in order to get healthy again. So that's what I think happened. Again, I don't think there's any evidence to support that. I don't think anyone's ever thought of that. 
I have no idea. Um, but I think that's a fun play tool because I don't think, especially in U.S. history, and as we become more, uh, as we analyze it more, the environment plays a major part. Geography of an area plays a major part in the development of society. Um, but I think that it's environmental causes for the death of the people in, in, in Roanoke. So that's my left field. If anyone has any questions on it from the other hosts, go ahead and ask them now why I think this. That's not nearly as far left as I thought it would be. What do you think I was going to say? UFOs? Aliens? Yes. Well, that's the real answer. Thanks for stepping on my theory. What do you, yeah, what area, do you think? Area 51. What do you think? Martians come down from the sky and say, yo, this is ours now. And then they realize how bad it is down here and said, nah, F this bra, we're going back up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Hold my blue milk. Anyway. Um, anyways, that's the thing. Oh, that's, that's the theory I got. So. I like it. It's very, it's different. It's definitely too bad for you. It's not your wheelhouse because I would say you could definitely do some research on the environmental implications of it. It's new age. I like it. I don't think it's new age. I mean, zoology and the study of animals was started by the Greek and Romans. So, I mean, well, yeah, but it's a new, like, people have it's a new theory, which I think. Would definitely be worth looking into, but that's a that's more what I meant. It's yeah. it's a new way of looking at things. That sort of idea of looking at how we impacted the vi- environment through history, not just what we do now. Because uh, right. obviously, the environment is always going to be a factor, no matter what we do. There's always going to be weather. There's always going to be rain. I mean, we talked about the Spanish Armada there in the background. You know, the Spanish Armada has such an issue fighting the English because of a hurricane. Whether right, the environment's always going to be there. True. True. Okay. I okay. am I going next, or do you want to go next, Jacob? You can go next. Okay. So for my theory, before I start off with my theory, Jacob threw a challenge out, and I don't think he realized he threw a challenge out. He said, "If any British, British, bleh, I can't talk today. British historian knew about Walter Raleigh." So I started digging because I have I have a theory and I, I'm not sure if my theory is correct, if I remember correctly, but um, with Queen Elizabeth, wasn't he the captain of her guard and he supposedly had an alleged affair with her? And I believe he's the one who sailed for the lost city of El Dorado, but I think she was already dead by that time. And he, as the captain of her guard and an alleged lover, um, he was very much against her successor whose name right now very is it james james the first that's right mary's son stuart uh james the first he was very much against james the stuart he was very much against james the first and james the first had him imprisoned that would be my understanding is that walter raleigh was pretty much elizabeth's little pet Mm -hmm. um he he does some crazy stuff before he gets to there Oh yeah. Uh, like I said in the background, he embellishes a lot. But even if he doesn't, even if you take it as a grain of salt of what he says, he's still chopping off a lot of heads and putting them on pikes. 
Oh yeah. Any, anybody, anything she said to do, he did anybody that looked at her the wrong way. Yes. He was, he was very much her guard dog. So, but before we get into uh, all that, before we get into my theory on Roanoke, I just, as someone who is interested in British history, I had to throw my hat into the ring. I believe that means challenge is completed. There we go. Perfect. Excellent. At least the negotiations were short. Anyone? No, please. I got it. Thank Shut you. Up. Okay. Oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay. So for my theory, so uh, I'm kind of like Lauren. This isn't necessarily the theory that I subscribe to, but it is nonetheless a theory that often gets brought up. And at one point it was thought that this could have been what happened. So what I'm going to be talking to you about today is the Spanish Empire. And one of the theories is that the Spanish Empire, uh, who did have a colony over in um, Florida, I believe St. Augustine, and Lauren can correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't St. Augustine their principal colony on the... Spain? Huh? Spain? Yeah, Spain. In Flo yeah. Uh, as far as on uh, North American, uh, the North American continent, wasn't yes. it? Yeah. So... So Saint Augustine, it would have been the closest would be St. Augustine. That too, yes. because they were, they were primarily in South America at this time. So zooming out of that, if we kind of like zoom out, um, at this point in history, Spain, France, and England were heavily into playing their version of risk or, uh, you know, the game of empires and establishing overseas colonies. So Spain was predominantly in South America, whereas England was on the North American continent, mainly in New England and obviously Roanoke. And then France was mostly in Canada. Uh, I did find one non-scholarly source that did say, I know, dun, dun, dun. So take it, take it uh, with a grain of salt as you will. But I did find one scholarly source that did say that France had a colony in Florida that the Spanish had wiped out because they yes. believed it was on there. Oh, so that is true. Yes. Wow. It was Washington very close to St. Augustine, if not St. Augustine itself. Huh. George Washington in, post for the win. It was in um, modern day Florida, I believe. Okay. So that's fair. So that to me kind of only furthers this argument a little bit is that they had already wiped out a French colony that was very close to St. Augustine. And France and Spain at this point were arch rivals in economics. They were arch, rival, arch rivals in religion, economics, every way, shape or form. Most of Britain's colonies at this point were privately funded, whereas uh, Spain's colonies were state funded. They were they were seen as actual Spanish colonies, whereas Britain was privately ciphering off these colonies to be funded. So the Spanish would have seen the colony of Roanoke as a direct threat, whereas maybe the British wouldn't have cared so much because they were there from private investors. So now that we've covered all of that, basically what we think, because we don't know, but basically what we think is that uh, the Spanish from St. August, uh, Augustine attacked Roanoke for supplies, food, people, and that the surviving colonists were either killed or they, were or they fled. And that's really all we have. Uh, like I said, I don't particularly subscribe to that theory, 
but I, I can see where it would come from. What's up, Lauren? I have something to add. Please do. So <laughs> this is actually really interesting because um, later British colonies in, hold on, it's getting there. Okay, so other British colonies in the Caribbean were very nervous about um, Spanish invasion. Because um, yes. at this point, Spain was like the head honcho of the Caribbean and Central America, Mesoamerica, whatever you want to call it, yeah. Middle America. Um, Middle America. So there's actually one, well, like say Bermuda, uh, Providence Island, um, Barbados, they were all even I think the Bahamas a little bit, they were really, really um, cautious about Spanish intrusion. Um, actually, Providence Island, which was supposed to be like the Caribbean version of Plymouth, uh, or I guess more like Boston because they were Puritans, not separatists. Anyway, um, they one of the reasons why they didn't survive uh, was because of Spanish invasion. So. Yeah, and, and that's something too, at this point, that's something else to bring up. At this point, when you're talking about overseas colonization from the big three, you really have to pay attention to the islands just as much as you have to pay attention to Northern, Central, and South America, because the island colonies really played just as much of an important part, if not a more important part, because like you said, with all of the trade and especially the sugar mills and the sugar plantations, that was where most of the money and the resources were concentrated. And that's really where Spain and England were battling it out. So Spanish invasion, Spanish threat would have easily trickled over to North America. And we also have to keep in mind, um, at least with uh, Virginia, they were going over there and Newport was looking for gold. Oh yeah. And if they found gold, Spain would have been on their asses like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they were knee deep in the silver trade, but gold would have outweighed that. Exactly. So it helps that Virginia's original charter, which you might, you all might know a little bit of this being more colonial history, but their original charter is basically everything. I mean, they claim the entire East Coast, they claim all the way out to the Pacific and, uh, Virginia Probably was basically even. the entire continent of uh, North America. Yeah. Really? Uh, I didn't know. Yeah. Which is actually, so when the French and Indian War kicks off, the reason Washington is Pittsburgh, Ohio area, is because Virginia claims it. They, right. They obviously have no real claim to it, but they send him anyways because, you know, who else are you going to send? Right. So you know how the story is, um, the Pilgrim, the Mayflower was headed for Virginia. They weren't um, looking for like Jamestown and Richmond. They were looking at the Hudson River Valley. And okay. That was part of Virginia at that point. Um, so they were only like 200 miles off rather than, but yeah. Okay. And then Mass Bay came along and then, so it was just like Mass and uh, Virginia. But anyway, yeah. Nice. Or something right. new every day. That, I, didn't, I didn't know any of that. Like I said, colonial history really isn't my wheelhouse, but it's actually kind of funny because the class I'm taking right now 
is all about Atlantic history. So uh, you both had mentioned your sources and where you got your information from. So majority, overwhelming majority of my information actually came from my class. And I actually have uh, two textbooks in front of me. One of them is uh, Major Problems in Atlantic History, Documents and Essays, edited by Allison F. Games and Adam Rothman. And it is published by Wadsworth, Synage Learning. I totally butchered that name and so I That's apologize okay. to them. Like every- Welcome to the club. This book is really great because it has both essays from historians, but it also has primary sources in this book. Um, for anybody out there who does any work with history, the Major Problems series of books, because I think just for their um, primary sources that they have in them alone, I think these are some of the best history textbooks Uh, I really like them. And then I have another uh, book. It's called Empires of the Atlantic World, Britain and Spain in America from 1492 to 1830 by J.H. Eliot. And this book is actually really, really good. And it was published by Yale University. So um, it's it's really great. This book, this book, if you're if you're interested in anything with the Spanish or English empire from this time, definitely pick this book up. It's it's a pretty thorough source it's like 15 bucks on amazon i just bought it yeah i've I've been talking about it so much more and was like i'm gonna pick this up um yeah so moving on um (laughs) so jacob our honorary guest what's uh your theory is the one that is most widely accepted yeah i call dibs yeah, you did. I was like, fuck. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. But yeah, so that one has the most, I would say, reputable sources rather than I think a lot of us are using um, our brains based off of like not geo, like maps and stuff and kind of connecting the dots from there. But yours is kind of like, it's almost like all roads lead to Rome. Like all of ours kind of goes into yours a little bit. So yeah, it's really kind of how it works. Um, although I'm not sure how the environmental will fit in there. I'm I'm sure there's a way it fits in there, but you know, I'm the not environment sure. exists. Yeah, it's there. You know, it's it's a reason they might leave. I don't know. Um, so yeah, my my theory is really that the most popular one, which is that they relocate and they assimilate into the native tribes. Uh, the area was clearly a hotbed of native warfare especially with the Powhatan people close by. Um, Jamestown will soon find out about them. The fact that the colonists had to reinforce the settlement and no valuables are left behind would suggest that the colonists had taken it with them. With all that being said, there are reports from John Smith and the Jamestown settlers from English-looking people in English clothes with these native tribes. John Smith reported that Chief Powhatan and his brother describe a place called Okanahoa, where the men wore English clothes, and another place called Ano Anwan, where the houses were walled, which is a very English way of building. Uh, the map you brought up, Lauren, uh, that that first one, I'm blanking on what it was. Love there, Virginia Pars. Uh, it might have been the second one then. Okay, the Zangia. Yeah, the word I'm not going to try and pronounce on my own, but. Uh, in that map, there's actually points to where John Smith uh, has pointed out to the person that made that map 
of where Palatan and the Palatan people are telling him, hey, these are where these people are. Uh, this is where someone is buried that's English. We know there's three guys buried here that were in, wearing English clothing when we saw them. Uh, just little stuff like that that would sort of add into my theory of them being assimilated. Smith would later make arrangements to have these areas searched, but each search either failed or never got off the ground. Uh, Sir Walter Raleigh even tries to set up a search, but again, he's really not allowed to leave Elizabeth, especially during this point. So it, it really, there's no good search in the area for these colonists. In the end, the most likely theory and the more widely accepted theory is that the colonists had spread out and assimilated into the native tribes, especially with these reports of the very light-skinned natives in the area. Uh, actually, uh, present-day Roanoke Hatteras tribe claimed to be descendants of both the Croatan and the lost colonists. Um, and since everybody else brought up their source, I will put a little bit of a plug for what is probably my favorite source, and that is NCpedia. Um, it works a lot like Wikipedia, and yes, I cheat and use Wikipedia, but like a good researcher, I use Wikipedia to get my primary sources. Um, but yeah, they they kind of publish a lot of uh, a lot of these events in North Carolina history, which is one of my favorite areas of expertise, and really sort of talk about uh, a lot of the theories that go into it, and also are really great about posting other sources that they get for theirs. They're basically like little articles like Wikipedia does, only it's a little bit more reputable, and uh, I, I think it's a little bit easier to use, but that's just me. Uh, so yeah, that is the gist of my theory and what I will proudly claim is most likely the actual uh, reality. I, I mean, agree. To, to, oh, to kind of to, uh, connect everything back, I guess, in a way for the environmental stuff, when I mentioned that um, the people went off to the tribes with the shaman and all that, it would make sense if they went there for medical purposes and just ended up being with the tribes in the end. I mean, if the tribes could live with whatever diseases were there or had the nutrients in order to sustain the colonists, the colonists saw the, the tribes as a way of living and knowledge of basic medical area, um, medical practices that best suit that area. So I think mine does fit in that way. It's just, and then it, to go along with the Spanish uh, theory that's thrown out on why some of the buildings were torn down. The Spanish could have gone through that territory looking to destroy the colony and then the people were already gone. So this ended up pulling apart the uh, materials in order to refit their own area. So I think, yeah. we, all, I think we all bring interesting points to the table. Um, you know, and I think all of them could be right for are right for certain different reasons. It's just finding the main, um, the main reason for the dispersal of that colony is still hotly debated. Um, so that's just my five cents. Um, so 
David, you might win because I was I'm, I was just curious. So I like just like Google search like environment Rono colony, and there's it's Weebly, but there's this article about the environmental circumstances of Rono colony. And actually, there's been evidence that there was a drought during the collapse of Brono Colony. And the settlers of the Lost Colony landed at Roanoke Island in the summer of the worst growing season drought in 800 years. Ooh. And that would later also cause problems with Jamestown. That um, would that would also ex help explain some maybe the the draining of the wetlands and the swamps in order to produce more arable areas to grow because if you have that that drought, it forces the colonists to find new ways that are not beneficial, and then draining areas that are already low on water, and also animals could be attracted to that area too because if there's already a drought, there are animals living in there, and the native species are going to need water. And food in order to survive and it could have been an encroachment thing where oh this village has water they didn't think that they just thought water is right there so they could either way that area was no longer hospital hospitable for the colonists to live in and they had to mm -hmm. drop juices and go well i, I just oh i'm sorry go ahead i was just gonna say i just sent you a link to the new york times article about it so <laughs> And I'm going to read that after I'm done reading about the um, Black Swamp in the Civil War that I was reading earlier. So, And I will um, put that in our show notes. Did you text it to me or did you? Uh, yeah, I sent email? it in our group chat. All right. So, yeah, does anyone have anything else to add? I think... Uh... Like David said, a lot of these theories sort of play into each other of one uh, sort of it's spokes of a wheel of you're just getting a piece of that picture. You're not getting the whole story. And, you know, a, a lot of times what ends up happening is we like to look at these things and think it's all black and white. Well, in reality, it's a really mixed color of gray. Mm -hmm. of we, there's no way to tell of what happened to these colonists. And there's no way to tell if it's environmental, if it's the Spanish, if it's they just decided to leave. Uh, it, it, really, anything could have happened. I, I will say this in some of my other research, there was a suggestion that the Spanish actually did claim at some point to have destroyed the Roanoke colony. But the English really just kind of laughed it off and said, yeah, no, you didn't. And Spain just kind of gave up. That I can see that. I can see that happening. I can see oh, that you happening. didn't. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't. <laughs> um. So we all agree it was aliens. Yep. Area fifty one. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, monster. Dude, I'm still I'm still holding my environmental, but Area fifty one is, is right behind it. Facts. It was aliens. It was Eliza the cat. It was. Went back in time and was like. My owner spends too much time learning about colonial history, so I will I must destroy. destroy. You better watch out, Plymouth Rock. <laughs> Eliza's coming. Yeah. Apparently, when cats go back in time machines, this is a little-known fact. You might not know it. They grow to the side of Godzilla. Ooh, Eliza, the... no wonder you have such a Napoleon complex now. Mm. 
She's like dead to the world sleeping. She's like, if I don't open my eyes, I don't have to interact. <laughs> if I, if it's like, if I interact, I've already lost. Um, okay, so just give me one second and I can do the outro if anyone, if anyone, does anyone have anything else to? I was just gonna make, I was just gonna make an environmental comment real quick. That's about it. Do it. I'm just glad that you know, me making the comment of, you know, all these environmental layers being a piece of the puzzle is not being totally left off. I'm just happy that it's not as left oh, no, field I as I thought. Oh, I, thought it was gonna, I thought it was going to be totally like, bam, out to the left side of the field. And I'm glad that it's, you know, so I'm like, yeah, that's actually kind of possible. So uh, like I said, when you were, when you were done kind of talking about your theories, it's not as far left field as I thought it was going to be, you know, it's, you know, yeah, it's yeah. something that people don't really talk about of, you know, what's the environment doing to these events. It's that whole idea of, you know, I'll go back to something I'm a little bit more familiar with is during the civil war. And even a long time after that, they believe that you could make it rain by warfare, that warfare made it rain because it would basically shake the skies and rain would fall. And they believe that because after every major battle, there's always a torrential downpour. Um, and then, like when the Dust Bowl happens out in the Midwest and in the plains, there's an idea is if we shoot rockets up into the sky, it'll shake the heavens and rain will fall. Obviously, we know it's now. True. Yeah, obviously, we know now that, that obviously rockets make the rain fall. That's how <laughs> God makes rain. <Yeah>. But... <laughs> It's that idea of, you know, now we can look back and see how they thought of their environment, how we actually know the environment was interacting with them. And yeah, it's a little far left than your normal theory of, yeah, they just kind of left and went to live with the Indians, but it's still something that deserves a lot of attention and deserves what it gets. And that's, you know. I, I agree to kind of like back to, to kind of like pedal back and bring up something similar to what Jacob was saying. And Dave, you'll, you'll remember more about this than I will, but I, I know you and I were in a class once uh, it was a geography class. We took it at different times, but we took the same class essentially. And the professor, didn't he show a video about how animals in the environment kind of affected this one area? And it was through the, wasn't it the actions of the beaver that totally re it, the, the whatever this beaver the beaver population was doing to this area it changed the whole ecosystem of the area and it, it further affected the environment so again it brought back the ecosystem i think i do remember because the, the beaver was allowed to be repopulating that area thus making dams thus you know natural dams not the concrete that we make right. um but was able to make those natural dams, which then brought back water supply, clogged up some water supplies in other areas, so it allowed fish to come back. It allowed the river to expand. So right. So all of all of that would in turn go forward and affect the people that live in the environment. So invite like to piggyback what Jacob to piggyback off of what Jacob said and what you said, yes, the environment affects man, which is a circle because then man turns around and affects his environment. So it's it's just a circle. And I, I like that you always bring that aspect to the show because like we've said also, uh, it's, a, it's a new avenue that doesn't always get the attention that it should. 
Agreed. Steve yep. is fabulous. The environment doesn't care where you build your house, as another professor that we all know loves to say. Yeah, my man. All right, kids. Thank you so much for tuning into this month's episode. We appreciate all of you who do. Make sure you check us out um, on wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whether it makes you happy. Of course, uh, please remember to rate and review us. Um, a special shout out to Civics and Coffee for giving us a five stars and a very nice uh, little review. It made my heart happy. Um, join her. Join her podcast and review ours. Um, please join us next month when David's going to talk about the first Earth Day. I'm really excited for Yay. it. Get Earth more Day and Earth Day and EPA is getting a shout out that. Uh, give us a like on our Facebook page um, is Operation History just in the search bar on Facebook if you love listening to Maria catch up on some older episodes of It's a Fan's World they'll be back in May and oh my goodness I'm so excited to hear their lovely voices even more than I already do you can find us on Twitter at Operation Hist that's Operation H-I-S-T. You can also email us at operationhistorypodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions about this topic, uh, you want to suggest a topic, or if you just want to say hi. If that was a whole lot of stuff and you don't know what I just said, I have a very easy uh, thing for you to do. Go to our website, go to operationhistorypodcast.wordpress.com. There you can find all of our episodes. You can find links to all of our social media and you can find some further reading or show notes uh, for all of our episodes. If you really like this episode, um, we are thanking uh, the history book, Jacob, for joining us on Operation History. It was so much fun. I can't believe you stole the best theory from us. Where can we find you, my friend? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore history book. I, too, am on Facebook. Uh, you can search for me, the history book, in the search bar, and it should pop up with a very Thanksgiving-themed background. I have not changed yet. Uh, you can also find me on my website, which is way too complicated, and I'm not going to try and spell it out for you, but it is in the search bar of the Twitter page. Uh and you can find my podcast everywhere you get your podcast on anchor.fm, on Spotify, on Apple Podcast. And I will be releasing, I actually released an episode this past Wednesday on the Georgia Gold Rush. Ooh, and hmm. a brand new episode will be coming out on March 24th on the Battle of Blair Mountain for all my West Virginia people out there. West so, Virginia, take me home. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Get out of my It's all good. Country, it's country roads. Country but roads. yeah, you can find me everywhere you get your podcast. And uh, yeah, please leave a rating for me and any comments or suggestions you might have. I'd love to hear them. And yes, this was so much fun. And I hope I can come back on the show and talk more about North Carolina history with you guys, since that is my favorite. We might also have to bring you on for Rhode Island. 
because it's your adoptive home. You keep calling yes, it Rogue please. Island. I feel like you need to come on here when we do a Rhode Island episode one of these days. I know. I, I might have to pull out my colonial history paper that I did on Rhode Island. Well, there we go. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So basically what we're telling you folks, listen to podcasts, review podcasts. If you want to see more collabs like this, please let us know. It was a lot of fun for us. I hope it's a lot of fun to hear. Um, Please stay tuned because I'm sure Maria will bless your ears with some great bloopers. So make sure you're listening um, and we'll see you on the internet. This is Operation History signing off. Operation History has no association with any of the institutions or organizations mentioned in this podcast. The views and expressions of the hosts and guests are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent any academic institutions, organizations, or companies that they currently work for or attend or that they have previously worked for or attended in the past. Thanks for listening and tune in next time for Operation History. Ron and I are soul sisters. <laughs> I want sorry. you to isolate that, and the next time he gives you shit, be like, "At least I didn't say that." You know, just, just, just the the thought it was just very. That was a real, genuine, hearty laugh at that moment. I apologize. Hey, soul sister. Hey. That's a great song. That's a great song. And now we move on to the training portion of the video. <laughs> yeah. Telling you, you think that we the the one the one brain cell bleh, see brain the cell. One, thank the you. Who? The the one brain cell that we collectively share when we're recording and we're talking about stuff. It actually comes out pretty intelligent and tangible. But then when the podcast is not happening. That one brain cell like gets cut in half three ways, and then each of us gets a quarter. And this is you're you're seeing the effects of that. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I did today was eat and watch Chopped. So did you watch? That's Chopped not true. All night? I also watched Law and Order. Oh, then it was a good day. Which is very enriching. It was like the episode that's like it's basically John Benet Ramsey, but it's not. So like Pageant Queen is killed. And I sat with this lovely lady over here. You mean the unofficial um, podcast host as well? A spokeswoman of Operation History, also known as Eliza. Yeah, I don't know where my spokespeople thought are. for sure you were going to call her mascot. Oh, yeah. Or mascot. Mascot. Social support. Um, I don't know where my mascots are. They're the probably official, destroying something. Um, which is familiar of Operation History. Mrs. Eliza Elizabeth Schuyler Hamilton. I I just came across a really interesting article. I'm gonna bookmark and read that later.
done. I don't yet. know. The last week of March, I have corn school, so I won't be doing anything. Corn school. Eight hours of corn school, bitches. Also, okay, you did say corn. Okay. Yeah, I did. Good. Yes, she um, did. Yep, Good. I did. Which um, is great because I'll be back at work. So. I, I, I'm just I, glad I, that I heard corn. Yes, corn. Um, no, corn. Yes. Hey, Lauren, is it actually really called corn school, or do you just call it that? I call it. Um, let's find out what's really called. I did go to something oh, last week called grain school. Okay. I'm sorry to cut you off, Dave. Lauren, I pulled a U this week. Well, Yay. preferably yesterday. So uh, we were talking about the legacy of Rome. Like, no one ever thinks about this. But Rome's legacy should be farming. Because of mills. The Brains are in the backbone of society. They are. The, the crop rotation that they created. You know, thanks, Rome. Thanks Africa. for agriculture. Yeah, thank you. They okay. This one is not. Of course, it. of course, an Italian thought of all that. It's just standard practice. All right, all right, Maria. Just saying. It was called. It's called the 2021 Grain Growers Conference Out of the Box Webinar Series. I like corn. I like corn school better. Yeah, corn school. Where you learn to be a colonel. I see what you did there. Colonel Cornelius Cornwallis at your service, sir. Yeah. Okay. I'll just pull up one of our um I was gonna say just just copy and paste it. And please. then Thank Jacob you. can do his plug. plug. And then oh, okay. we all die. We you either kill your wait. <laughs> was it? We all die, you either kill yourself or get killed. What you gonna We're do? in the end game now. True. All right. Well, we're I not. understood that but, reference. That's good. I was watching Infinity War before I came back here, so nice. you know. My brother is like falling down the Marvel rabbit hole, and it's was, just me like staring at like Lizzie Olsen and Scarlett Johansson. Hmm. Fuck. Sorry, I spilled beer all over myself. <laughs> This is why the material gets edited. <gasps> it's so sticky. Whatever. Doesn't These matter. episodes don't come up with a little E beside them, do they? We always we always have E's. Mm. Um. Also, Leo was just sitting in the hallway, like staring at me. When I, I like what, when I went to go close the door, he was just sitting there. Uh, Jacob, I think you're on mute. Yeah, my dog was in the hallway crunching on ice. So Aww. cute. Yeah, she's annoying. <laughs> guys, oh. guys, I'm out of Girl Scout cookies. Well, at, least <laughs> at least down here in the basement. I have more upstairs, but I'm not walking all oh. upstairs for another house. Oh, okay. okay, that's fair. What did the baby corn say to the mama corn? What? Where's popcorn? I hate that I laugh every time. I really how, do. How is an ear of corn like an army. I feel like I should know this, but it has how? a lot of kernels. Oh, I knew I knew it was going to be something like that. I, I got one. <laughs> I got one. Hit, let what, me hit me. What did the buffalo say to his son? Bye, son. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lauren, 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 do you just know all of these? I got I one. That one from like what did like? It's like what 
did like the buffalo call his like LGBT child buy something. <laughs> Guys, I got one. Was one of, this is one a student told me. Oh no. So oh, a Ro- so Roman walks into a bar. Of course. And he holds up he holds up his hand just like this. What does he say? Oh, I don't know. I've heard the same thing, but it's different. I don't know what that one is. Two beers, please. Oh yeah. No, five no, beers. No, no, sorry. Two beers. Five 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 beers. Five beers, please. Yes. I goofed yeah. it up because I meant to do this. I just um What's red smells like blue paint? I don't red know. My soul. My soul. Red paint. Oh, wait. This is what? my... Right, wait, 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 wait. Wait. What? All right. This is my turn now because I wait. need to get in on this corny joke stuff. Or you have to have a good ear for them. Uh, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Oh, my God. Why did the man get hit by a bike every day. Why? He got stuck in a vicious cycle. Uh... <laughs> You're welcome. I'm done now. You can go ahead. <laughs>